Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So if you're sitting down right now, first of all, I would advise you to kind of get up on your feet and start moving because the person we're going to be interviewing, her energy level is about 10,000 plus. And um, if you're sitting down, you're probably going to catch a heart attack sitting in that seat. So I would advise you to kind of get up and start moving. So I'm going to name her, like what I really wanted to name her was the Get Shit Done Boss. But you know, with the algorithms not going to be working in my favor with that name, her name is going to be get it done boss julie the floor is yours why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what are we talking about today all right i i don't think it was i don't think it was mine is it is there no telling i don't know i don't know but you froze there in such a great spot i was like oh. i'm waiting it's like, what, is he, what is he doing what is he doing <laughs> you gotta love computers man well <laughs> I guess you missed the, the, the whole introduction and you got to love technology for that. I was saying that I wanted to name you the get shit done boss, but obviously with the algorithm not going to allow me to do that as I would want to, then I'm going to rename you the get, get it done boss. So Julie, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you and what we're talking about today? Well, we are going to talk about whatever you throw at me because I love to impromptu speak and I'm really an open book. Uh, my background, I, you know, I probably maybe shared a little bit of it in my bio, but I am a former law enforcement officer, spent 10 years on the police department in Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. Um, I was on the SWAT team as well, moved out here to Arizona 21 years ago, and I love life and I love to have fun. And so through a variety of different careers, I've stumbled upon what I do best and that's inspiring others to play full out. Very cool, very cool. So, I mean, let, let's start. Let's start with the elephant in the room, right? I mean, obviously, you said law enforcement, but then you said SWAT. So, first of all, I want to like, like, if you don't want me asking, like, how tall are you? <laughs> I am six foot tall. <laughs> okay, okay. So, imagine there's this blonde-headed woman running after you down the street, and then 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 what happens next i mean obviously like you you became a police officer for a particular reason what was that reason well that's kind of an interesting story because sometimes a lot of people ask me like where did that come from mm -hmm. and i was very strong in school in math and science mm -hmm. and i was going to go into like a medical field medical technology and at the ninth hour i decided that i wanted to be like fbi or secret service mm -hmm. and i really think it stemmed from the fact that my best friend growing up in grade school, high school, her father was a police officer. It had to have some kind of influence on me because all of a sudden I decided that I was gonna major in criminal justice mm. and that's what I did. But see, I kind of had these rose colored glasses or maybe we'll call them googly eyed <laughs> glasses, right? Right. So I had these glasses on and I was gonna go into corrections. Mm. And I initially did my internship uh, during college at a sex offender unit, I did that with, uh, uh, yeah, eight, eight, eight weeks in probation parole with sex offenders. And I quickly realized that I really wanted to be out on the road, on patrol, 
and that was where I wanted to spend my time. So even though I had my emphasis in corrections, as soon as I got out of um, college, then I ended up going much more into the law enforcement direction. So, I mean, obviously, like, I'll just play devil's advocate with that. I mean, obviously, every person did the yin and the yang, and, and the police force could be viewed as the yin and the yang. But come to find out, like, one of your favorite books is The Monster at the End of the Book by Grover Sesame Street. So I want, I want, I want the listener to visualize this. This woman is a blonde-headed woman, six feet tall, running around in this police uniform, wearing googly eyes, and her favorite book is a Sesame Street book. Like, where did that come from? Oh my gosh, it's so funny because if you looked at my my background, there's a little Grover there with a little miniature monster at the end of this book. You know what? Because it's about who we are, right? Like, I mean, it's like lovable me, like Grover at the end of the book is it's lovable, fuzzy, furry me. And that's me, right? Like I went into law enforcement because I've always had this passion to help and serve people. And, you know, and I was in now, I mean, I've been out for longer than I was in. So I was in for about 10 years. I've been living here in Arizona for 21. So I've been out for 21. And a lot has changed. A lot has changed. But I know that who I was, you know, started to kind of change as a police officer, becoming more hardened, you know, um, just dealing with a lot of negativity. And I really, truly wanted to help people on a much more positive basis. So like Grover, kind of like, you know, the, the future, you don't know what it's going to hold. But I know that I wanted to be the lovable hmm. me, the authentic me, the person that was out there helping people to be the best version of themselves. Hmm. Very cool. And just like Grover, I think one of your favorite um, lines, one of the favorite things that you like to say is dance like nobody is watching. Right. But I, okay. I think you don't mind if someone's watching. Right. I mean, you, you dance no matter what time going on. <laughs> Like, like if we were on video right now, I'd be like, you know, and I have this, it's kind of funny because I'm known for, if you've ever seen Seinfeld, the Elaine dance, yeah, right? Like how she does all of that. And so I've done that, but now they call it the Julie Jones dance. Cause of course I have my own version. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just love to inspire people to have fun because really all things considered, I don't care what people like think mm -hmm. of me, how they see me. Because I, I can get, you know, I can get it done, but it's you know, very professional, but I have a very fun spirit and I love to make people smile. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, I think you, you finished that last statement on a very solid note to kind of raise it to my, my next question, right? I mean, obviously making people smile and I had an opportunity to watch one of your, your YouTube videos and I, and I think it was very inspirational. And the, the topic that you were talking about at the time was like, why should we eat dessert last, right? Why don't we eat dessert first? And you was like, why don't you do it for the next 30 days? Eat dessert first, change your state of mind, change the way you think, change the way you view things. I want you to kind of talk about that a little bit. Well, and that's really great that you picked up on that because I'm all about, okay, I know it's kind of an oxymoron. Like I, I look at things and I say, okay, I was enforcing the law, right? But there's a big part of me that's a little bit of a rule breaker. Like every time that, you know, I was told no, I was going to figure out how it was going to be yes all day long. And I think so many of us have these norms, rules, like society expectations that have us doing life in a certain way. And it's like, you know, as you get to be an adult, you set the rules, mm. you decide how you want to live your life, right? And I think that that's so important for people to remember 
because I'm all about the get to in life rather than the have to. We have too many things that like we wake up sometimes and we have this yay long to-do list and everybody's like, I got to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And for me, it's like, what do I get to do today? Like I get to be on this podcast and I get to have fun and I get to inspire other people on a platform, right? I don't look at my day as filled with have tos. I look at it as filled with get tos. Hmm. I think that's very interesting because that leads into like your, your favorite quote, damn it, just do something. But I mean, and in reality, I mean, that every moment that you've been on this show so far, everything you've been talking about kind of leads into that moment. It's just do something. Don't sit still. Don't stay stagnant. Like you're talking about eating dessert before you eat, you know, anything else about reading a, a kid's book that, and again, you're a cop, you're just about living life. And I definitely want the, the listener to really embrace that. I mean, obviously you went through many different things in your life, but in the moment where you are right now, it's all about embracing living and moving forward. Well, and it is because and the reason for that is having been a police officer, right? Mm -hmm. Like I saw how quickly life can change. You know, like one of the hardest parts of my job was having to do death notification, yeah. right? Like somebody wasn't coming home. They had like their entire future ahead of them. They were, you know, not expecting that that, that particular moment was going to be their last moment here yeah. on earth, right? And then having to notify the family and everything that you have to do around that. And seeing that firsthand, as well as seeing it in my own life, uh, my mom's been gone 18 years. She passed away at the age of 59. And I just realized that there is no guarantee. We all have that expiration date. We don't know when that date is going to be. So it's like, if today truly was my last day, like, how am I spending it? Huh. I, I mean, you know, like, I just really want to to leave an impact and to, to be remembered as someone who inspired you. See, I go out about my day. And one of my things I love to do is make eye contact and give someone a smile. Cause I think we've forgotten a lot about that, you know, just really connecting with people as human beings. And I want to leave every single person that I meet better off mm. for having met me, even if it was just for a minute, like, I just want that to, you know, to be a lasting impression. I mean, I walk around my town. I live in a town of about 30,000 people mm. often in costume. And people will come up to me and they'll be like, oh my gosh, like, I wish I could do that. I'm like, what's stopping you? Like mm. nobody, I mean, everybody loves to see me in my costume. So it's like, why not you? Why not do what inspires you to be you? Yeah. And I, and I could vouch for, for the costumes. I mean, I was watching one of the videos and I think you had on like a rainbow tutu and you were talking to an audience of people. So I, by all means, your fear factor is negative. There is no fear when you step out on stage. And I think that you embrace another statement that, that you live by. I mean, you live out loud. And I think that that kind of rolls from you into whoever you're working with. So I want to kind of talk about ideally, who are you working with? Who are you giving so much energy and so much devotion to? I work with a lot of individuals, kind of twofold. I, I work with people who maybe have that fear that stops them from wanting to start their own business or really pursuing the dreams of what they really want to be doing in life, again, that they want to do rather than they have to do. And then I also work with individuals who already are established business owners, have had a lot of success in their life, and yet there's something still missing. 
They want to level up, but level up in living life, like really, truly having experiences. See, I forget the, the nurse's name, so forgive me, but there was a nurse who did a book and like the top five things that people on their deathbed always talk about. And one of them is like, nobody regrets what they did do. They regret what they didn't do. And because of that, it's like a lot of times, especially as entrepreneurs, we can find ourselves back on the hamster wheel, right? Like we, we left maybe corporate or we left a job that we didn't like because we found ourselves on the hamster wheel doing it over and over and over again. And then we, we start a business and we can find ourselves right back on that hamster wheel doing it over and over again. And you feel like you're not getting ahead if you're not working. And in the meantime, life is passing you by. People are wanting to spend time with you. They want life experiences, right? Like I'm all about the movie, The Yes Man by Jim Carrey. Like say yes to life opportunities. Don't say yes to what you have to do. Say like somebody calls you up and says, hey, you want to go to a concert tonight? Yes. Yes, I do. Because like when is that opportunity ever going to present itself again? Hmm. I think I think I love that vision. And I think part of what you're doing in that vision, you created a podcast as well. And it was, I think, episode 34. And what you're talking about is exactly what that episode re represented. It was um, Heather Harris. And she was the person that had the heart attack, but she found her way through the heart attack to become an inspirational speaker. So again, I mean, like, and I think in the beginning of that podcast, you was like, you surround yourself with these positive people. So how, how does, how, like, I mean, obviously, if someone thinks about positive things, positive things should happen, but it's like you're really living that by example, how has that worked out for you from now? You know I mean, from beginning until now. Well, and it's, it's one of those things where I, I often tell people my life is not sunshine, rainbows and unicorns mm -hmm. all the time, right? Like it's a choice. It's a choice every single day for me to decide how I'm going to approach the day. And trust me, I have my moments, like just in, and just in particular last night, my husband's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm kind of ornery. So just like, you know, like at this moment, like it's probably not a good idea to really talk to me because I was just like feeling a vibe, right? But that was only for a moment. Like I, I often say so many times, like if you walked out to the car right now and I found out that I had a flat tire, and, you know, I call in AAA or I call somebody to fix it for me, right? And depending on how it affects the rest of my day, like I can look at it and say that was a bad moment or was it a bad day? Because like in the if it happened right now after our podcast, right? Like, I mean, I just had an amazing experience, an amazing time talking to you. It doesn't dictate that flat tire that now my entire day was a bad day. It was just for that moment. And... I just choose because positivity, really, I think the energy, it, it fuels me and it fuels other people to, to have that positive energy. Really, when you look at it and like sometimes the negativity, there's just a difference in the being. It's, mm -hmm. it's like hard to explain, but I think being negative all the time really makes you tired and you just have this outlook like, oh God, everything sucks, right? And it doesn't. Like you, again, like this is your opportunity to live life on your terms and it's a choice. Like, how are you going to choose, you know, each and every moment? Cause it's, it's always shifting. I'm not saying that bad things don't happen, but then like, you know, you work through them, you deal with them, you feel it completely. 
and then you move to the next to the next spot or the next shift or the next whatever you're looking at very cool i mean i obviously like part of doing my due diligence and i looked into your background and found that you were a bni member of the year 2020 and now i know i obviously why because i mean obviously you come probably come into the room you light it up you're a ball of energy but i want to talk about like how have you leveraged networking because i mean obviously i would think you're a serial networker you do a lot of networking you communicate with a lot of different people how has that affected your business so really what it's done for me is that i've i've grown a lot right because Networking has impacted me in, in so many ways. I've been networking in some capacity for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. business-wise, I, I will say. But like, if I look throughout my entire life, I've always been networking. I mean, I've always been that person that was like the organizer, right? Like I would be in high school. <laughs> my dad used to get so mad because like I would see all these people all day long in school. Mm-hmm. And then I'd come home and I'd get on the phone and I was like planning and arranging all the events that we were going to do and like how we were going to hang out. And he'd be like, you just saw these people. How could you not have talked to them? I'm like, well, I don't know. I didn't get all my talking done. So let me finish up here on the phone, dad, so that you can use the phone, right? But the networking has supported me in first and foremost, building some amazing relationships. Some of my best friends, some of the people that are my, you know, my closest tribe, my closest support, I've met through networking. Hmm. Really, because, you know, like attracts like, and finding yourself and surrounding yourself with that tribe of people that's going to lift you higher. It supported me in business because we all do business with people we know, like, and trust. Once you have that connection, then it's, and it's always, a, it's continuing to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. See, I don't expect the first time I meet somebody that we're going to do business together. It's all about like, you know, continuing to check in and building that relationship until like you become kind of on the forefront of somebody's brain. So when somebody's like, oh, I need, you know, like I need a, a coach. It's like, boom, I got somebody that you need to talk to. Right. I, you know, like, I just, it's a gift. It really truly is a gift that I've been given to be able to connect and collaborate with people. Like people will say who they're looking for. And because of all of the people that I've met throughout the years, I'm immediately able to make connections Uh because nothing fuels me more. Really, honestly, this is the honest to God truth. Nothing fuels me more than me being able to help you. You tell me who you need to meet. I'm always so excited to make those connections and see where those people are going to take their business to. I think it's great. And you also brought up a a key point as well, too. And I want to kind of like, you know, time travel back a little bit. Right. So we're going to go back before you you became a police officer and you brought up your dad and yourself. So I want to know, like, obviously someone's listening to this podcast right now and they may have a Julie Jones that lives with them. They may have like this little ball of energy bouncing around the house. I want you to kind of describe what were you like as a kid? You know, it's funny because I probably wasn't as out there as I am now. And that's probably for a number of reasons. So I, number one, and I still to this day, I love to read. So like, I was that person that like, you know, like during the summer, they always had these library programs, you know, you had to read 20 books over the summer. Like I would read 20 books in one week. 
So like, I would love to sit down and kind of get lost in a book. And growing up, I really didn't have a ton of friends. I talked about my best friend whose father was a police officer, but in grade school and in high school, I was bullied quite a bit. And, you know, I talk about it in my book. And so because of some of those experiences that I had, I mean, I was out there and I was still like social and gregarious, but I really probably truly didn't feel comfortable with who I was back then. And it's, it's grown like every decade that I move through, I learn more and more and more about who I am. And I'm really true to who I am that like, I just shared this past week, I was at a training that I really, truly love myself. And I really, truly love who I am. And I'm not sure that as a child, I may have been able to say that, but my parents did, you know, they were great. Like I didn't have an abusive childhood or anything else like that. My parents did the best they could with the tools that they had. And I had an amazing upbringing. However, it's like, I, I, I'm a, I, I think I look a lot different. Maybe you would have to ask somebody who knew me growing up, mm-hmm. like to where I am now, like the differences that they see, I see some differences, you know, but like I, um, but I do know the one thing I do know is that for me today, I'm all about including everyone, like because of how I was treated, I never want anybody to be alone and not, you know, like there's always room for more people in my tribe. I've always, I've always believed that. And even growing up, even though I was bullied, I, I still had some friends, right? And yet there were other people that I observed and noticed that had none. And I always made it a point to befriend them so that they would have at least one friend, right? Because it's a lonely place to be when you don't have other people to be with. Like, I mean, as human beings, that's what we were put on this earth to do, to be together, to experience life together. And, um, you know, it breaks my heart sometimes when people are really alone. So I mean I mean with that, I mean obviously you're very self-aware of of who you are and, and where you are today. So if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? Great question. Number one is always integrity. Um, you know, my word is my my bond, and I really, you know, look to um <clears throat> I'm not perfect at it, but it's like, you know, do as I, you know, as I say. Like, I really hate backstabbing, that kind of thing. So I'm very much in integrity, Um, very much fun. Like, I love to have fun. I'm about inspiring other people to, you know, to have fun. Um, I think another word that describes me is um, courage. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, I really didn't embrace that word for a long time because I didn't see my life as being one of courage. And now, again, as I've gotten older and as I reflect, I see a lot of courage, you know, in my, in my life. Hmm. Um, I think another great word is um, uh, caring. Like I'm very caring, very kind. Um, I really like, I'm such a great listener. So like I have this bond with people where I'm able to, um, you know, be empathetic and really hear what they're saying. And because of a lot of my intuition, a lot of times I just pick up when people may not be necessarily truthful to themselves. And that helps me around the coaching. And 
of course it's the like the loving giving um i it, it took me a long time honestly i have given away so much i volunteered a lot of my coaching and speaking and everything that i've done up until a couple of years ago if you asked me for anything i would give it away for free and then it just really took me learning more about how i can help more people like you know it's money is an exchange of energy right and so it's like i don't i'm not going to go very far without money so it's like you know just learning to be able to that i can still give and still help people and in helping people for them to rise their self-esteem by actually charging money and not giving it away for free all the time so I mean that kind of leads me to a win with with and that earlier I made the reference to like the yin and the yang with every light that comes dark right so you walk into the room you're the ball of light and then obviously you can feel the energy of someone else in the room and someone else maybe a little bit darker uh, a little bit more um nonchalant a little bit more softer spoken someone that you can kind of tell something is not 100% where they want to be so my next question is in what you do what is the worst example of something without naming names that you had to deal with to help someone go from being such a dark individual to becoming a light person? Wow, that's a really great question because of the fact that for the most part, again, I'm not Pollyanna, but like I attract a certain vibration, a certain, you know, like energy of people. And I guess probably some of the, the darkest would just really be when people don't believe in themselves a lot, yeah. you know, like they, they, they look at life and they, they see things that are happening to them. And, you know, I've, I've talked to people who have had, you know, significant like abuse or anything like that. I'm not a therapist by any means, but it's really sometimes like looking at, at it from a different perspective, like just shifting, like maybe sometimes the story that they're, that they're telling themselves. So for instance, people could look at something that's happened to them in life and say, okay, well, this means that I'm a bad person, or this means that I'm not valuable, or this means that like, you know, nobody loves me or I'll never be loved. Mm. And so really then changing that story and looking at it from a different dynamic and saying, okay, we acknowledge what happened, you know, to you but how do we shift that story? And I work a lot with people like, cause one of my big things is not looking at things from a victim mentality, but looking at them from a responsible mentality. Mm. Yeah, I've been, I'm on my third marriage. I, you know, I say that openly, you know, and when I really start to, when I looked at a couple of things and I looked at my first two marriages in marriage number three, I realized the common denominator was me. Right. And there were some things that I was doing because I saw crying as a sign of weakness mm. and go figure that I was in law enforcement. Right. So because of that upbringing, what would happen for me is that anytime I was in a tough conversation, I would back away and I wouldn't have the tough conversation because I didn't want to cry. Well, on marriage number three, I realized that if I didn't shift something, Marriage number three would end up in a divorce and I could go on to four and five and whatever it is until I did some reflecting on myself and started to shift some things also. So like I really am very effective in 
you know, coaching people on the experiences that I've walked through myself. Like, and if I'm not able to help you, well, I'm going to tell you I'm not able to help you, right? Because I, I have such a huge tool belt of connections that if I'm not the right person for you, I know somebody that is the right person. Yeah, I think that that's a profound answer. So, I mean, it kind of leads me to like the time frame, right? I mean, earlier on, you were saying that, you know, with every decade that passes, you, you become not just more mature, but you become more free and more happy, right? So where you are in your business right now, the perception from an average listener, they may say, okay, yeah, she was a cop just yesterday and she kind of figured out herself and now she's successful. She's doing this coaching thing. But in reality, how long did it take you to go through that transition to get to where you are? It's taken me a long time. So as I, as I said, you know, 21 years ago, I left law enforcement, moved to Arizona. Since that time, I have been a property manager. I've run a couple of my other businesses. And in other businesses, I worked with um, licensed health practitioners and brought in um, customized wellness programs for their offices. I've been a chiropractic assistant. I have, I love health. And I have a, a background in that as well. I've been a salon owner. And in a, being a salon owner, I've been a makeup artist as well. And I've even was recruited to go work for a personal growth company because I took the classes myself. They saw something within me. They wanted me to come and work. So I kind of left the entrepreneurial lifestyle for a while, did that for a year and a half. But what I figured out for myself is that number one, I don't make a very good employee because like I, I just love to work for myself and have the freedom of time to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Mm -hmm. But don't get me wrong, being an entrepreneur, you learn a lot of self-discipline because if you're not getting things done, you're not making any money because like at some point you have to be working, right? And so I learned that and I just, I learned from all of those experiences that the one thing that always happened was people was, were always coming to me for, you know, mentoring or some kind of coaching. Like I was very good at like looking at big picture and seeing things that they were not able to see. And for a lot of companies, I was always put in the front of the room to be giving presentations. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to look at where your strengths are, and you realize, okay, as I'm getting older, like I don't want this to pass me by. So my whole business model and everything that I do is really less than two years old. It's been a journey of self-discovery of me and figuring out what matters to me most and knowing that what I set my mind to, I can do. So I like to tell people I'm the shortcut to the shortcut, right? Like I've learned by trial and error, all these different things. And so that's why, like, when you come to me, I can be like, okay, like, have you thought about this, this, and this? Cause like, I, you know, it took me years to figure some of this stuff out. And now I'm on like the fast track, right? Because it took me that long, but I love what I do. And, you know, I'm just out there. I put myself out there. I often don't know quite honestly, like how something's going to look. Like earlier this year, it was not even on my, my, I call it my get to board that I was going to do a television show. And a few months into 2020, you know, two, I'm like, you know what? A television show sounds pretty good. 
And I just put myself out there. I had no idea what it was going to look like, but I said yes to the idea. And then I just figure it out. Well, I mean, obviously that goes back to like the, the power of positive thinking. Right. And, and I think you're, you're, you're instilling that through and through. And I think you brought up a really solid point earlier on. You were saying that you were giving away everything, giving away everything. And then obviously you said you still have to eat. And then now what, what you're talking about is like that transitional period. So for someone that's listening, right, they may be at that point now to where they've been giving away stuff for free, but they know exactly what people are asking for. How do you, or what do you do to kind of shift from free to pay? It really comes down to the belief in yourself, right? Because I think for so many of us, we we give it away for free, or at least I did. I'll say I, because I always come from an I point. I gave it away for free because I didn't have enough belief or enough value in myself. So it was through still, like I'm, I'm a continual work in progress. I do not claim to have it all figured out. But I still attend classes, right? Even though I coach other people, I have a coach. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I read still. I read a lot. Like I'm listening to Audible. I'm always doing something to learn. And at some point, it starts to shift. Mm -hmm. Like if you start to hear things enough time, like you decide, okay, I'm hearing it. Like I'm listening to it because I believe there's being messages are being given to us all the time. And it's like, are you tuning in? Hmm. And for so many people, sometimes it's seven different ways from seven different people. And it could be the same exact message, but when you are ready to hear it, you will shift Hmm. and something will happen. And, you know, sometimes like people want to dip their toe in the water I'm like, just jump full in. Like, you know, like we just got to, like, you got to go for it. Because again, when I have this passion about, we don't know how much time there is, like just, you know, because what's the worst, like sometimes look at what's the worst case scenario that can happen, you know? And if it's not, like, if you're fairly convinced that it's not going to happen, worst case scenario, then like you have all these other possibilities, right? Mm -hmm. There's an infinite amount of solutions for any issue. So if one thing doesn't work, all right, what's the other, you know, billions of ideas that we can run with? It's very, very powerful. So, I mean, I'm just listening to you and and obviously I want the listener to, I mean, obviously you're an inspirational person, like every word that you said so far in this show, if you're not motivated, then I always say something along the lines that you probably should get your heart checked because again, your heart should be beating. You should be on your feet. You should be taking action on what she's telling you right now. So my next question is, is like, let's say time travel is a real thing, right? You have an opportunity to go back in time to a younger version of yourself. You have a five minute window. So you just teleport in, you're in front of yourself, you have five minutes. You don't really have time to explain anything, but you want to tell yourself something to change the outcome of where you are for it to happen a lot faster. So the question is, when would you go back to and what would you say to your younger self? I would go back to probably about the time that I was five. Hmm. When I was five years old, I had been given, I had got glasses. Pretty young to have to wear glasses, right? And at that time... Um, I was made fun of, you know, the whole four eyes, Coke bottles, all those kinds of things. And I think it was at that moment that things started to shift where I realized that I was different, you know, that I, that there was something about me. 
And I would just go back to myself and say, you know what? Different is good. Hmm. Like you are enough. You are perfect. Just the way you are. Don't let anybody say anything that's going to change that. Because I know that, you know, as a child, I, I just really truly believe like you believe that the world is your oyster and you can do anything and be anything and then life happens, right? So that would probably be at the point that I can remember back the earliest where things started to shift. And I would just say, don't let them, like, don't let them get under your skin. Hmm. You are perfect. Hmm. And earlier on, you were talking about, about your dad. So I, I kind of want to know, like, obviously you're, you're hell of a entrepreneur i mean obviously you listed off probably like a, a dozen different opportunities that you've touched or dove into or excelled and not excelled at the same time was your dad or your mom or anyone that you could think of ancestrally wise were they entrepreneurs by chance no hmm. no actually um i'm the first one in my family to go to college and i'm the first one in anyone in my family like even extended family to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, my, my father started working for the city of Milwaukee at the age of 25. And he, you know, he worked for 30 years and he retired at 55, got his pension. You know, my mom, she stayed home for a while, raised us and then was working part-time then eventually worked, you know, full-time. Nobody. Um, my parents are both gone. My brother is, you know, still alive and like, you know, he's still too. He's like very got to work for somebody and, you know, like same job. Like it was very hard. He just within the last year recently moved to a new position. Mm. So I look at it and um, uh, often my dad, <laughs> so he got older. And as I was like doing all these entrepreneurial things, he would look at me like I grew six heads. He's like, who the hell are you? Like, he thought I was an alien, right? Cause like, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this now. And I'm, I'm doing this. And, um, I will say, thank goodness. Cause my first two husbands, and maybe this is where it kind of came in. My first two husbands, same thing worked, you know, like had a job. My current husband, um, owns a couple of businesses as well. He's very entrepreneurial. Um, he's been doing sales since he was 16 and he's very good at what he does. And so I think that having somebody that gets you, you know, like in my household is really very influential for me because I know he understands when I'm working sometimes the long hours or I'm doing what I'm doing. And he's one of my biggest supporters. He really is because he's always told me that I need to be in front of a room, that I light up a room. And so, you know, I'm like, I finally heard that too. And I'm like, okay, I'm going out and doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I mean, I think one of the things that 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 I love about you was one of your videos. It was the six productivity myths, right? And in one of them, you were talking about balanced life and magic happens on the extreme. So my next question is like, being you grew up in white collar, blue collar household, and today where you are right now, how do you currently then manage like your work life with your like home life? How does how, how do you juggle these things? Well, it's, you know what, for, for none of us, it's, it's not easy, right? And I always tell people, because there's kind of this myth, it's a big myth out there that there is, everybody says, like, when you ask people what they want, oh, you know, I just want life balance. Okay, when you're working, like, you know, like, 
you're giving it 120%. That's how I kind of do my balance is if I'm working and I'm in it, I'm, I'm giving what, you know, what I got to make things happen. But then when I'm doing my personal stuff and I'm doing my life, I'm focused in on that, right? It's very easy because of technology and even from working from home that you tell your loved ones who are waiting maybe to do something with you, like, okay, let me just answer this email. Or let me just, you know, respond to this text. And an hour and a half later, you've just fallen into the trap of like answering one more and one more and one more. So like for me, it's okay, put the phone away. Like, let's just spend the time together. Like Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing in the moment, be engaged in that. See, one of the biggest myths also that's out there is especially for women, we've been told that we're great multitaskers. Mm. We were not designed to be multitaskers. Because I will tell you that any given time, like say I'm doing emails and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just going to listen to this great podcast or I'm going to listen to something, right? All of a sudden I'm typing and I start typing what I'm hearing Mm. because like it's very hard for the brain to focus in on multiple things at, at the same time. And I know we all do it, you know, but like, but if I'm going to focus in on something like a big work project, turn the phone on, do not, you know, do not disturb and don't let all those dings and bings and all those kinds of noisemakers that come at us at a given day. Because every time you take yourself off a particular task and you focus in, even if it's just for five seconds, it now takes the brain, you know, somewhere between five and 10 minutes to refocus back in to the point that you were in. So that's me. It's like whatever I'm doing in the moment, I work on being in the moment and I'm giving it 120%. But if you're doing life and you're on vacation or you're experiencing whatever it is that is right in front of you at that moment, be present there. Hmm. Speaking about present, today I I was hoping that, you know, in the background in this video, I would have seen the image of one of your favorite snuggle buddies. So I want you to kind of talk about about, about your your, your two pet dogs for a a second. I mean, they seem to be they're a big, large part of your life. So let's talk about them. Like, how does that factor into part of your happiness? I can show you because they're both laying in the office with me. Oh, okay. I kind of, I was like, I don't see them in the background. There they go. All right. There's one. And this is Rocky and Rocky's a little minpin chihuahua, right? Mm. And I have um, another one. She doesn't like to be picked up as much. And um, they're constantly with me, you know, when, when the pandemic happened and that was probably one of the biggest transitions that I had was that I used to run around kind of like a chicken with my head cut off from here to here to here to here all the time. And then what ended up happening is the pandemic happened and I found that I could work so effectively from home. I still go out and I still meet people, but I'm much more efficient at home. Well, I remember some of the very first Zoom meetings I started to do, like I was always kicking the dogs out, like, no, you know, this has got to be professional, right? And then they would cry more outside the door because they wanted to be in here with me. So I just said, you know what? You can start to come in because I had a big one as well that I just lost in May. So all three of them, they would come in my office. In fact, when I'm not even here, my husband says a lot of times they still lay in the office just waiting for me, you know, to come home. But there's a sense of peace and love because sometimes if I'm sitting working, 
you know, like they'll just come to me and they want their love and they want their pets. And like at that moment, Mm -hmm. it's all about that unconditional love. And like, again, taking the time to be present in the moment with them. And I know they appreciate the fact that um, I spend a lot more time with them now, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that's your favorite snuggle buddy. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, earlier on, you 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 talked about growing up as a kid. You were a ravenous reader, yeah, and obviously during the conversation, you brought up books two or three times. You're also a published author as well. So, this next question is is a two part question. One, it's what book do you think kind of helped you to change your life that you would like to recommend to our listener? There have been so many great books that I have read, but the one, as soon as you started talking that came to me right away was um, Brandon Bouchard. It was one of his actual first books that he wrote. It's called Life's Golden Ticket. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a fiction book, but there's so much that's in there about reminding people to live life and to see things sometimes from other people's perspectives. Mm. And I've read that book over and over again. I've given out copies of that book. I mean, I have like a whole list sometimes of books that like in any given moment have changed my, my life at that particular moment. And if it really speaks to me, then I end up buying books in bulk. Mm. And then whenever I come across people, often I'll give them a book because I know how it's going to make a difference in their life. That's definitely interesting. I mean, it's a solid book, solid recommendation. And then that leads me to your book. I mean, obviously you have a book out that's called um, Stop Waiting, Start Living, which kind of just goes to who you are. Like that title, you couldn't have picked a better title for yourself, right? Let's just start with that. But let's just talk about the book for a minute. Like, I mean, how was the process of you writing the book? Who is the ideal person that should have this book on their bookshelves today? Well, I, I, of course, like I will just say everybody, right? I mean, anybody who I guess may feel stuck in life, right? Because the premise of the book, when I started writing the book and, you know, again, like I had a lot of self-doubts, like who's going to want to read what I have to say? Like, I'm really going to put myself out there, right? And it was a collaboration and it was a collaboration of, Um, myself and six other amazing people who came together to put the book, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in play. And right before, like right before it went to publication, I was like, no, like there, there's like a missing component. And I made it as a journal. Mm -hmm. So like after every chapter, there's a series of questions to kind of help people take inspired action in their own life. Mm -hmm. And I've had people come back to me and say, that, you know, they've started long awaited businesses, that there was something in the book that just really spoke to them, that they realized because each and every story is about, you know, not waiting and really being out there living your life. And it doesn't matter that all the authors are females, because I've had a whole bunch of, you know, um, male readers who have come back to me and said how much that they love the book. And the experience itself, like really, honestly, like I said, it's another like exercise in personal development and personal growth because every time, like I swear to you, every time I was like ready to like sit down and write, the unconscious mind would like find ways to kind of sabotage me. Like I I, I say in the book, 
I had the cleanest refrigerator on the block because every time like I was ready to do something, I'd be like, oh God, like something else would capture my attention. And then when I just finally sat down to write the chapters and to write the intro and all the other, you know, components of the book, I found how much easier it was than I ever anticipated. I think that that's a great analogy with life. Like sometimes we put things off because of the fear and thinking it's going to be a lot harder than it really is. And it's all about just taking that first step into action. And when I did and I wrote everything, oh my gosh, I found it so much easier than I anticipated. And now like even this year, I'm in, you know, several collaboration books. Um, Next year, it's my, you know, 2023 that I'm going to do a solo book, like a solo project. But I have found that I'm a really good writer. I always thought that I was a really good speaker, and I'm also finding that I'm a really good writer. I mean, I, I think they, they go together hand in hand. I mean, it's kind of like viewers here, like you age like wine, and it's the same thing for like speakers and writers. The more and more you do something, and the more and more like you just hone that skill. And then I like, like I'm currently right now I'm writing my ninth and tenth book, and I had made the comment about. Like, it's not even about you writing the book. It's more so you're writing it for someone else and you put yourself in that person's shoes to allow them to become whoever you're writing about, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So ideally, right, you, you're talking about 2023, you're going to be writing another book. You found your journey. You're saying that, you know, you had a fast start within the last three years. Where do you see yourself in your business 20 years from now? I, I see myself, you know, just making so much more of a bigger impact. Like I am always looking for platforms where that I can get my message out to more people. See, because there's only one of me and there's so many people that I really, truly want to, I want to help. I'm, you know, a lot of times, and this kind of came to me within the last week, but sometimes I really worry about humanity. And I worry about where we're going, you know, because sometimes everybody is so in it for themselves and we forget that there's others. Like, I really want to, you know, like either reach down and pull you up with me or we link arms and we do this together. So continuing on, like, you know, with my television show and just having even like a bigger platform, a bigger message um events you know i'm doing my very first event this year in the scottsdale area and so i i continue want to continually be doing events reaching more people being able to inspire you know individuals i don't see myself retiring i really don't like i as long as i'm having fun which i do like i live my life with fun and adventure when i work i work hard when i play I play hard. And so being able to travel the world and see different places and yet be able to deliver my message, that's really what I want to do. You know, and um, and I do have, like in 20 years, I see myself having a nonprofit. Um, I, I want a animal rescue ranch. And I've always wanted an animal rescue ranch because I have a love for and a passion for rescuing the unwanted. And for years I've worked with um, kids in the foster care orphanage system as well. And so I wanna bring those two groups together. I wanna have a place that 
children in foster care, the orphanages, you know, kind of thing, can learn about self-esteem, self-love, unconditional love, and have them like at a place where they can take care of animals that show nothing but unconditional love as well. And like how to interact and how to care for someone else, right? And so yeah, I do have a very big vision and, you know, let's see where that's, you know, where that's going to go as well, because that could be a place like I've always seen like um, posts. I, for, I forget what country this is in where there's all this green grass and animals just running everywhere. And it's this huge it's this huge ranch to rescue animals. So. I think I mean, it goes back to I think one of your, your six productivity myths. I mean, you had made a statement about most people see big as being bad. But in reality, you have to go big in order to find the good. And, that, and that's what you're describing right now. I mean, obviously, you're on that journey to get to that next level. And I don't see any reason why you would not get there. I mean, you're thinking so big, you're thinking bigger than yourself, that potentially the universe is going to help you get there for sure. So I definitely want to tip my hat off to you for that one. Um, going into... And I'm just I'm just recapping everything that that we talked about, and you're you're talking about obviously you're, you're helping women, you're helping entrepreneurs, you you love animals, um, you're looking to help kids as well too. So let's say if you can pick one of them, right, and you can give them one word of wisdom or words of wisdom to kind of help them overcome whatever hurdles they may be in right now to help them move forward and become successful. What would those words be? I always go back to the fact that for anybody, no matter who they are, that you are enough. Like there is no, I guess the best way to put it is you don't have to prove anything to anyone. Like you were put on this earth with a particular purpose and mission. And I am such a big believer that each and every one of us was given such a gift mm -hmm that it can only be heard from us, right? And so sometimes we are fearful or whatever it is to really put ourselves out there. But like for all of us, like, you know, you have your podcasts, you know, like the Uncaged, right? And like you have a particular platform that people can only hear it from you. If I attempted to do Uncaged, right? They wouldn't hear it from me. They wouldn't respond as well because it's not my message to deliver. So like whatever it is, whatever your message is, and it doesn't have to have a worldwide impact, right? For so many people, you are making a difference in your own world, in your own community, in your own family. Just keep being who you are. Yeah. You know, like you are enough. You are perfect just the way you are. One of my other um, favorite books is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And in that book, he talks about that we're born perfect, we live perfect, and we die perfect. But for so many of us, it's the stories that we tell ourselves or the incidences and experiences that happen to us in life that cause us to doubt that. And I just want to take away all that doubt and just you know, just be out there and just be the best version of you because you are the best. Wow. So, I mean, obviously you're, you're oozing this and you're spreading this word. You spread it on your podcast. I want you to kind of talk about your two strong media outlets right now. I mean, obviously you're a podcaster as well, and now you're, you're stepping into TV production. So I want to talk about these two shows. Like, how do they work? Are they the same co-branded? Are they one and different? Like, what's the unifying connecting point between your podcast and your TV show? 
So the, the unifying, I guess, concept is really people with a story and we all have a story to share, right? So the television show is really diving into individuals who, you know, have had a lot of life challenges, who have had a lot of things happen to them. They find the resilience to keep getting back up over and over again to live the life of their dreams. Often in my podcast, it's the same thing. Like I'll, I'll hear somebody talk about something and maybe they just glance over it and I extract that uh -huh. because for all of us, we want to know, as I stated earlier, that we're not alone. Like that somebody else has a story that's similar to us or they experienced maybe something worse than we did and they got back up and they kept living life. And all of my stuff is all unscripted. Huh. It's all casual conversation because of the fact that I'm intuitive and I listen so well. So many times, like I'm not even thinking about the next question I'm going to ask. I'm sitting there listening in to what somebody is telling me and boom, as soon as I'm ready to ask a question, it just drops right in and I ask the question. And I'm very real. I'm very, again, and again, it goes back to that kindness factor. I'm not afraid to ask the tough questions mm -hmm. because I really do care. Like so many times I think that a lot of miscommunication happens because we don't understand people. Like I had on my podcast, one of my guests once was an Orthodox Jew. And I really asked him a lot about the religion and how it plays a role in his business and what it means for him, right? And he was so appreciative that I asked him those questions that he could share with who he was. And in fact, his wife then listened to the podcast. She was so impressed. She's, you know, a huge business entity in her own right that she asked me if she could be on the show as well. Hmm. So it's about remembering that we all come from a different place in life, right? Like we've all had a different experiences. It's like when we go to an event and somebody says something and maybe I'm crying and you're laughing, it's because of our life filters. We've all been in different, you know, different set of shoes, right? They always say walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. But I really take that to heart to see where people are coming from because sometimes somebody says something to you and it's like in that moment, maybe they just found out that somebody close to them died and like they just, you know, lashed out at you. You just happen to be the person in front of them. It's like, you know, I just always consider where people are coming from. Wow. So, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously you're inspiring a listener right now to want to communicate with you in some shape, form or fashion. How does someone get in contact with you? So the easiest way is through my website, juliejones.biz, uh, B-I-Z. And, you know, even on the homepage, there is an avenue that you're able to just go ahead and book a free 30 minute call with me. And, you know, I promise you, it's not a sales call. It's really a way for me to be able to help you. Wow. So that leads us to some bonus questions. So my first bonus question for you, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think in my mind based upon everything you said, like who it could possibly be. And I can't come to, to bring anyone to fruition. So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, this person could be dead or alive. You get to spend 24 hours with that person uninterrupted. Who would it be and why? 
that always when people um, ask me that question, I, I automatically go to my mother. You know, my mom has been gone 18 years. She um, passed away at the age of 59 from early onset Alzheimer's. And because of that, you know, like I lost her before she even passed away, right? And so I just think that I, hold on just a second. Sure. Gotta love the puppers. Let me see if anyone has any questions while we're on pause really quick. All right, I'm back. I apologize. No problem. So continue telling us, are you telling us about, about your mom and how she passed away from Alzheimer's? Yeah, so she, you know, like when somebody has a, a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, they that you lose them before they even pass away, right? So because of my mom's age, she, she was misdiagnosed. And I was very, very close with my mom. My mom and I were almost like best of friends. And so I know, like I feel her presence still, and I know that she's, you know, watched over me or she's, you know, had an opportunity to, um, you know, to be with me. But yet at the same token, it's like, I just want that conversation. I want to share everything that, you know, I've been doing and just, you know, get like that one more, I love you. Hmm. Like that one more, I love you. I'm so proud of everything that you've done. You've made such a big impact. And because um, that was who my mom was as well. Like she really had a heart to give and to serve. And so many people, when they see pictures, they see the um the resemblance between the two of us that we have the same smile and there's so much that's the similar to us and i just would love i mean sometimes it doesn't even have to be 24 hours it could be you know 10 minutes just 10 minutes to have that conversation so i mean with the with that we're making your mom proud um what would you say is your most significant achievement to date You know, every day that, that that kind of changes, I think because of the fact of everything that I put myself out there and I'm doing. And I, I, I would say my biggest achievement to date is living my life, hmm. is really being out there. And I've had a lot of amazing things happen in my life and being able to also have that impact to help other people as well. So the fact that I, you know, I give glory to, you know, God who created me and me living who I am meant to be is like the greatest, is the greatest journey that I can be on. Cause I, I everything that I do, you know, it's not always for me. It's, I will go out there and be the first one to do something like when I was a police officer, I was only the third female hire on my department. I go out there to inspire others, to show them that it's possible for them to do the same. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, I mean, I definitely, I appreciate everything that you brought to the table today. I mean, it gives the, the listener and myself a lot of different things to think about and a lot of different opportunities to be positive when things are not working as you think they should. And I think that you are a ball of sunshine in, in this game of coaches. And I definitely appreciate you being who you are. 
So going into closing of the Boston Cage podcast, you're a fellow podcaster, so you should be familiar to interviewing people. And I like to give whoever I'm interviewing an opportunity to become the host of the Boston Cage podcast. So Boston Cage is now your show. I'm your guest. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask me? Oh my gosh, what a what an interesting concept. I love it. See, that's that's like the all the whole idea about, you know, um uh having your own podcast. So, you know, Chanel, you have probably interviewed thousands of interesting people. Is there, you know, a particular interview or person that really stood out hmm. that you had the opportunity to talk to? It's funny because I had an interview earlier today and they asked me a similar question and my answer is still, still the same. And it's not just because this person is a billionaire. It's more so because of who they are and what they represent. So I had an opportunity to interview Wiley Day. She's currently ranked Forbes as number 21 as far as um, self-made billionaires. And interviewing her, you would have, you know, like, I guess the perception of a billionaire and the funny thing is before that, that, that show recorded, I reached out to my social media profiles and I'll say, Hey guys, if you had an opportunity to interview a billionaire, what kind of questions would you ask? Now half the audience had these really positive questions. The other half of the audience was like, you know, like you shouldn't have that much money. You should give the money back. And it was kind of like negative versus positive, negative versus positive. And then I get her on the live and she is probably a better person than like majority of the people that were saying the negative things right and, and and she's positive in a sense that is so so humbling it's ridiculous i mean she's worth like almost 1.5 billion dollars and she was just so happy that one her grandbabies on the way her boat sons are have their phds and they married phds and she's just happy with life and the technology where it's going based upon the company that she created 30 years ago and it was just kind of like who the hell would have guessed that That's, I, I mean, that's really awesome. And I, I, it, it always goes like kind of as that point to remind you that we all get up the same way out of bed and we all put our pants on the same way. And like, sometimes I think that for so many of us, we have a tendency to put people up on a pedestal and they're just really human beings having a human experience. And that, you know, it sounds like for her too, living her best life and just really wanting to have like that impact on other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And hopefully the people that listen to that episode and what did like the perception of wealth, hopefully that episode could kind of sh sh shifted a little bit. Cause again, I think people are fearful of wealth and they think wealth is an evil thing when in reality it's, it's the farthest thing from it. It's the farthest thing from it. Right. Yeah. What are the questions you got? What other questions do I have? So you said you're writing books number nine and ten. So, what are the uh, the the topics of the the books, or what kind of message are you putting out there? Yep. So right now I do a lot of speaking, and one thing I speak about is podcasting, and the other thing I speak about is, is branding. And obviously I speak about many other things, but right now where I'm at, those are the two topics that I'm speaking about. So I decided to start the Boston Cage podcasting series of books so that first book is essentially for the new startup podcaster that that wants to jump into the space and i have some tips and tricks in that book as well and then the other book i've been a brand person since i went to college back in early 2000 so this book is called brand babies and it's literally about co-branding and partnerships and how to really utilize and monetize and strategize branding 
Very cool. Are you, do you find that there is a major, like maybe challenge, obstacle, mistake that people make over and over again when it comes to branding themselves that you could say, all right, that's your pitfall. Like, let me just clear that, you know, that up right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's so many different avenues to branding, right? I mean, obviously, there's a visual branding. I always make the statement that there's three to four different levels of branding. I mean, you have a company's brand, you have a personal brand, Apple, Steve Jobs, then you have a product brand, iTunes, or iTunes is a service brand and iPhone is a product brand. And again, all four of these are household brands. You can say any four of them and, and somebody would know them or potentially use one of these devices. That's what you have to think about brands. A brand is not a single thing. It's not a simple, single image. It's collective, all these different things that I'm talking about. It's your mission, your vision, the visuals, the way you carry yourself, your mannerism, who represents your company. All of those are all part of the cohesive brand. And I think, unfortunately, people, they just think of a brand as a logo. And that's where they fall short and everything completely falls apart at that point. Well, I see you've got the lime green going on, like for those of the, you know, like we're on audio, but I love the lime green and I pick up hints of like the greens and the purples. So obviously those are some of your branding colors. Correct. Yeah. I mean, the, the purple is, is the is the primary color. The green is a secondary color. And then after that, we have um, blues and oranges. And again, I mean, it's all about shifting the color palette. You know, I, I didn't want to stick with the regular red, white and blue. I didn't want to stick with the the RGB palette. Like, how do I shift it and then give color power? And, and people don't they don't realize color has so much dynamic power. Prime example, any restaurant you go to, they use oranges and reds and browns because those colors make you hungry. Like that's the psychology behind those colors. And then purples are essentially wisdom, royalty. It kind of leads into wealth. So again, if I'm talking to wealthy individuals and I'm talking to people about wealth creation and I'm talking to them about legacy, well, if I didn't pick purple, I, I would have been probably the dumbest person on the planet to pick any other color. Well, I'm glad I'm not dumb because I picked purple. So purple is one of my branding colors. So Great minds think alike. Final question I have for you is, what are you most excited about between maybe now and in the next year? Like what projects do you have on that are coming up or that you're getting ready to say yes to a life opportunity? What do you got going on? Well, I mean, I got speaking engagements coming up. I'm speaking at Success Champions um, next month. I'm speaking at Digital Summit in October in Detroit and Indianapolis. Um, I'm starting off my new um, Boston Cage program, podcasting program, incubator. All those things are all great. But I think the biggest thing for me is like after interviewing so many different people and hearing their stories and hearing their legacies, it's kind of like it's about time that I start into the SaaS environment. And I'm thinking about and I'm starting to outline a SaaS platform for podcasters. So like in the next few years, that's behind the scenes. This is the first time I'm making the announcement, but behind the scenes, I'll be working and developing that. Awesome. Well, congratulations. I'll be excited to see where that goes. Well, I definitely appreciate it. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking time at your schedule today. I know that last time we spoke, you were you were traveling to, to go to the, the video studio to kind of shoot some content and, and get your TV show. I can't wait to see that when it goes live. And I definitely want to say I appreciate you being here today. Well, and I am so appreciative that you've had me on as a guest. This has been so much fun. And anybody else who like has the opportunity, I say yes to life opportunities because this has been an amazing podcast. So thank you again. By all means, S.A. Grant.
over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.